Um, so we are, uh, it, this is the last Sunday we spend in Exodus before we move on to our summer series. Um, and, uh, and we're, we're, we're wrapping it up the same way that we, we've kind of begun um, everything, talking about who you are, um, talking about our identities. And I know that this is like beating a dead horse, but, um, but for real, that's what this book is about. It's about God reshaping who the people of Israel saw themselves and were told that they were into who he longed for them to become. Every step of this journey from the very beginning of Moses' life throughout the Exodus has been for God to say, you are not who you have been told. You are not who have you, who you've been forced to be for generations. You're not slaves. You're my children. You don't bow down to these other things of the world. You bow down only to me. Nothing of this world loves you, but I, I will die for you. It is a a reshaping, a a rebranding of the identity of the people of Israel. And for us, it helps us to understand who we are. Because many of us still don't see ourselves as sons or daughters. Many of us believe that we're outside of that. Many of us believe that because of the things that we have done, because of the way that we have lived or live, that God could never love us the way that he loves others. And yet nothing further could be from the truth. God created you and loves you. So this has been this exercise of of discovering who we are and what are those traps that try to turn us from that reality back into what the world wants us to be. What are those traps that turn us from moving towards the promised land back into Egypt? Multiple times the people of Israel have faced these things, these hurdles that have come up and God's like, hey, 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 look over here. Don't go back there. Back there is death and oppression. Here's freedom and life. Keep moving this way. Keep moving this way. So in Exodus 34, um, they're continuing along their their journey, and, and God is once again conversing with Moses, and he says this at verse 10. The Lord replied, all right, this is the covenant I'm going to make with you. I'll perform wonders that have never been seen or done before anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display through you. Your responsibility is to obey all the commands I am giving you today. Then I will surely drive out all those who stand in your way. The Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be very careful never to make treaties with the people in the land where you are going. If you do, you soon will be following their evil ways. Instead... You must break down their pagan altars, smash the sacred pillars they worship, and cut down their carved images. You must worship no other gods but only the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Do not make treaties of any kind with the people living in the land. They are spiritual prostitutes committing adultery against me by sacrificing to their gods. If you make peace with them, they will invite you to go with them to worship their gods. And you are likely to do it. And you will accept their daughters who worship other gods as wives for your sons. Then they will cause your sons to commit adultery against me by worshiping other gods. You must make no gods for yourself at all. 
So if we remember when God gives us the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not have no other God but me. I am a jealous God. I love the way that this translation says it. A God who is passionate about my relationship with you. I love you so much. I don't want to see you turn back to this life of oppression. But what God understands is that the people of Israel is that people are easily distracted. We like to see squirrels and we see them quite often. So a friend of mine um, started sending me quotes every day this week, just inundating my email. Um, I'm starting to set up a rule to block him. He's in the room right now, which is why I'm saying that. Uh, but one of the quotes he sent me was from C.S. Lewis, uh, which was just awesome. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Now, I don't know where this comes. It sounds like it came from surprise by joy. But what I think that Lewis really just nails on the head is our ability to go from one thing to the next very quickly. Our ability to jump onto the bandwagon of whatever our ability to look at something and go, ooh, that looks like fun. Let's go over there. Our ability to stay where we are because it just seems like it's good for now when there's something so much greater down the road. We're far too easily pleased, he said. I, I would say that we're far too easily distracted as well. We are far too easily able to jump onto something else. To jump on to the flavor of the week, to jump on to the theology of the day. There are a lot of um, wow pastors out there. Uh, pr- the prosperity gospel is kind of big right now, and it's, big, it's kind of on its way down, but it really hit a big swell a while ago. That if you just pray hard enough, what you want will be given to you. That if you, if you just get into this mode that, oh, God, give me this, give me this, then God is going to give that to you. If you pray for more and more and more, then you will be given more and more and more. Now, there are scriptures that fall into this, but I think there's a misunderstanding there. But it's very easy. I have a friend who, um, anybody buy a lottery ticket for yesterday? I did. All right, it's the first one I've bought in years. Bought one. Um, and I told Jenna, I said, hey, babe, if we win, we're building a, a, a worship facility for New Heights so that we don't have to set up and take down any longer. And then we're going to do some other stuff. But that is like one of the first things that we're going to do. Um, we're going to continue to worship in here, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> Not even a single number. Not even one. Uh, I mean, God's like, really? Really? Um, but one of my, uh, my good friends um, bought some tickets and, uh, and prayed about winning um, with his children. <laughs> and prayed that there would be no loopholes that God could get out of. Like, we're being very specific here. These are the numbers, God, that we want to come. And you can't, which was really funny because they had two tickets. And I'm like, well, what if God gives you half and half? These are the numbers that came, but he, he prays so that no, and I'm like, 
And what I said to him is I was like, well, that's just beautiful. That is great to teach your kids this. What happens when you don't win? What are you going to tell them then? Oh, well, we just didn't pray hard enough. I'm kind of slamming him and he's in the room right now and I feel bad about it right now. So I'm not going to look at him. Um, But the thing about it is, is we have this ability and I do it too all of the time. God, if you just do this. Jenna and I have had people tell us that um, if we pray hard enough, grace will be healed. Which says that we're not praying hard enough. I got to be honest, that makes me mad when people tell me that. I liked, I would like, what I would like to say is I'm going to start praying for you to be healed to those people. I never do. I'm just like, oh, thank you. Thank you for your thoughts and concern about my daughter. But we have this ability to think that if we get into this, it's just like we, we want to control our environment with God. We want to control our relationship to God. We want to have some control over it. Why? Because it gives us some peace when we do, right? When things are completely out of your hand and things are just going nuts and things are coming left and right and you have no idea what's happening, it's a little bit scary. We want to have some sort of control over things. We want to have the belief that we can control things. And so what God is doing is when the people of Israel are coming through, look, he says, you're going to destroy these people. Don't worry. This is a foregone conclusion. All of these people that I'm going to list, you're going to just move through them. Don't even give them another thought. I am telling you right now, my covenant with you is that I will bring you through this to the other side. But be careful not to pick up the things that they worship. Be careful not to see those squirrels and try to go, hey, because remember, these people of of Israel have been in Egypt for 400 years. Multiple, multiple gods, all these different things. Remember, we talked about the golden calf not too long ago. And, And it was their attempt to control their relationship with God. He's like, no. In fact, he got really angry about it, if you remember. But as they move through these other lands, they are going to see these different ways of interacting with gods. And he's like, be careful. It's very easy for you to hear something that sounds like it's from me and to jump in bed with it. I use that picture because this translation doesn't say it. Other translations say what they're really talking about. Those sacred pillars, they're phallic symbols. These are fertility gods. These are things that are just grotesque and horrible in so many ways. If you go back and you study these people and the things that they worshipped and the way that they worshipped, it would appall you. But there were some parts of it that were attractive. There were some parts of it that were easy. There were some parts of it that gave you control over your situation. And so these, uh, these little temptations, God's like, look, you're going to go through these places and you're going to think that this will give you control of your relationship with me. But no, oh, I've already given you what you need. 
I've already laid out these commandments for you. I've already begun to shape your identity and, and re-teach you who you are. I'm a jealous God. I'm a God who is passionate about my relationship with you. And I don't want you to begin to go backwards. I don't want you to to forget who you are now, who you're becoming now. I don't want you to move back into a land of oppression. I don't want you to move back to death. I want you to continue moving forward to experience life with me. And so be careful. For us today, there are so many things out there. There are so many things out there that seek to give us control. There are so many things out there that seek to take away our relationship with God and to bring it back to Egypt. So many things that want to take our eyes away from the cross and bring them back to the world. What we need to do is to pay attention to him. I think at the beginning he says, um, I will perform wonders. Uh, and, and he says, through you. I will perform these things that no one has ever seen before in all of the world. Through you. See, here, here's where it comes back. What God is saying is, I'm going to move mountains I'm going to bring light to the darkness, but it's going to be done through you. Now, God can do whatever God desires to do, and he can cause things to happen without our involvement. But what I get from this, and if we fast forward to Christ, and when Christ dies and he comes back and he's teaching his disciples what's going to happen next, he says, it is through you that people will know my love. It is through you that my message of love and reconciliation and redemption and salvation is going to spread to the ends of the earth. It is through you. Our connection to God is vitally important to the salvation of the world. Our connection and our focus on God is so important. So important for the people who don't yet know him. It is because we are sons and daughters. It is because we live in a land of freedom that others will get to experience it. It is because of us that people will be healed. It is because of us that relationships will be brought back together. It is because of us that addictions will be ended. It is because of us that love will be felt. Now look, I'm not saying that we're bigger deals than we are. Some of you here are pretty big deals, I know. It's because of the God who lives inside of us. It's because of the spirit that dwells inside of us. It's because Jesus said, I'm sending you a counselor who is greater than I, so you will do things more amazing than I did. Now, if we truly follow 
this whole identity message. And we get on board with the fact that we are no longer slaves, that we are free, that we are no longer oppressed, that we are sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. And we listen to the prayer of Jesus on earth as it is in heaven. Now. He prayed that God would make it like heaven here and now. And then he left and said, you're the ones who are going to do it. We need to get on board with this and understand that it is us, the body of Christ. The body of Christ who is going to bring redemption to the world. I got to tell you, that makes me a little bit of nerves jump up, you know? That makes me nervous because I know me. And I'm not very good. I know some of the thoughts that I have, some of the things that I do, some of the things that I don't do. I know me. And if it's on me, uh oh. That's why I need you. That's why we need one another. That's why Paul teaches us that it isn't just one person, that it is multiple people who make up the body of Christ. That some are gifted to shred guitars. Some are gifted to stay behind the scenes and to set chairs and to do candles. Some are gifted to listen. Some are gifted to speak. Some are gifted to write. Some are gifted to sing. Some are gifted to do whatever. We are all gifted in some way. It is through our connection with God, our connection with Jesus Christ, our our relationship with Him that we discover who we are. The more we know God, the more we know us. And the more we know who we are in God, the more we can tell people about Him. And the more this world will change. Wouldn't it be great if the church became such an agent of change in the world that articles and news reports about thirst and hunger in the world stopped existing because the church moved. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were so vocal about the love of God that people came back to the church who were once told to leave? Wouldn't it be amazing That if violence became a thing of the past, because the church moved, wouldn't it be amazing if we began to experience the kingdom of God now? We are moving through to the promised land as the people of Israel did. We're going to encounter the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Perizzites. But God's going to take care of them. We just need to keep moving and focus on him. We are sons and daughters. Let us pray. 
Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of life that you have given us. We thank you that you call us your own. You call us your sons, your daughters, your beloved children. God, we acknowledge that um, through your Son, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we have access to eternal life. We acknowledge that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have access to strength beyond our understanding. And we pray that as we allow that to shape us into who you long for us to be, that we would find the courage to move into the world and to bring your love with us. God, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would like um, to stay in worship, we would love for you to. If you would um, like someone to pray with you or to talk with you as we look to our Father to shape us.